Uh, last week, we kicked off our new sermon series called Counterculture Living, Living in the Age of Outrage. And we talked about how, really, it, it seems like in the culture around us now, we're more divided than ever. If you start talking about what's going on in the world or in politics or in our communities, people are more angry than ever. I mean, if you just go on TV, look on your Facebook feeds, people are divided. There's a sense of outrage there. And in the middle of all of the outrage, I think there's something good to do every once in a while, and that is to just laugh a little bit. So I want to give you permission to laugh at, at this picture of me when I was in middle school, okay? I'm going to give you permission to do that. It's okay. I've already processed through all of it. As you can see, I got my good part on my hair going. I have my uh, scalp belt. My socks need to be pulled up a little bit. My handkerchief, my neckerchief. And, um, you know, this is me when I was in sixth grade going to my very first Boy Scout summer camp. Woo! I don't know. Congratulations to me. I don't know. It wasn't that significant of an accomplishment, but, but we were there uh, in our uniforms in the parking lot. And you might be wondering, well, why are you in a uniform in a parking lot? And we actually had the same question as Boy Scouts. Why are we in a uniform here in the parking lot? And the leaders went on to explain to us that now as Boy Scouts, whenever we traveled as a group, we had to wear our full Class A uniforms wherever we went. And uh, they said, look, you're representing the Scout Troop. You're representing the Boy Scouts of America now. And so you have to wear this everywhere, full Class A, everything included, including the socks. And so we would, we would wear all this when we were traveling hours to all of our campouts. And a lot of times, you know, we'd kind of forget that we were wearing the uniforms. We'd be in McDonald's. They always took us to McDonald's because the drivers got free meals there. So we'd go to McDonald's. We'd be in line cutting up, hanging out. We'd forget we're wearing the uniforms. We'd get our food, and then we'd see a group of girls. And we were like, okay, you know, we got to send an envoy, send somebody to go talk to them. And inevitably, they would always start giggling and laughing at us, and we couldn't figure out why. And then we remembered we were in uniform, and it just wasn't attractive to girls at that stage of our lives. And when those moments happened, I mean, I always felt the same thing. I always felt like I wanted to run to the bathroom and just change back into my street clothes, which probably weren't much better than that uniform, change into my street clothes and just blend in with everybody else and just look like everybody else and not stand out at all. Because sometimes, I mean, I don't know if you've ever felt this, it's just nice to blend in with everybody else and to not look different, to not have people stare at you or point at you. And maybe you have one of those jobs where you have to wear a uniform to work and you've experienced this. You know, maybe you have like a red shirt you have to wear. You've had a long day. You're so tired of everybody. You're trying to sneak out and to go home. And somebody says, excuse me, do you work here? And you're like, oh my gosh, I'm just trying to get out of here, right? So that, you know, you just want to blend in in that moment. I was actually online this week and came across a forum, an internet bulletin board where law enforcement officers were talking about their uniforms. And they were debating and discussing when they put on their uniform and where they put on their uniform because some of them said, well, I just put it on at home every morning. That's the easiest. And then I go to work. But then there were a number of them that said, oh, no, I don't do that. No, I, I have mine in a duffel bag. And then I take it to work and I change clothes there. And then I change clothes at the place before I go home each day. 
And he said, look, because I don't want to be known in my neighborhood as a law enforcement officer because I might be targeted. My house might be vandalized. People might come at me and my family. And, and that's part of the world we live in now. So sometimes it's safer to blend in and look like everybody else. Sometimes it's just more comfortable to look like everybody else. Sometimes it's just more convenient. Sometimes we just don't want to stick out. And that's all well and good except for one thing, and that is that as Christians, Jesus calls us to live and to look different than the world. Jesus calls us to live and look different at the world. And that's the big idea in the series that we're looking at. And actually, in, in one of Paul's letters to the church in Colossae, he actually talks about a type of uniform that we as Christians are called to wear day in and day out. And this uniform that we're called to wear as followers of Jesus Christ is a uniform that, that signals to the world, hey, you are representatives of Jesus Christ. It signals that that's who we are. It signals that we have a leader and that we have a mission that we're on together. But the difference in the uniform, like my Boy Scout uniform, okay, I'm gonna take this picture off now, okay? <laughs> it's been up there enough. Y'all are getting too deep in that, analyzing. The difference in the uniform Paul talks about and that uniform is that this uniform is material, but the uniform that Paul tells us about that we're called to put on as Christians is one that is spiritual in nature. It's one that has to do with our, our character, those things inside of us in our hearts, and it has to do with our conduct, those things that, that we do externally and the ways we live our lives and interact with other people. And so this morning, we're going to be looking at this uniform of sorts that Paul talks about. And just like before you, you wear anything or you change outfits, there has to be an exchanging of clothes. You have to take off something before you can put on something else. And so when Paul is writing to the church in Colossians chapter 3, he begins by talking about, well, why you should be living differently. And then he goes into those things that we should first take off before he gets into the things that we should put on. And so if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Colossians chapter 3 beginning in verse 1 together. And in Colossians chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, this is what Paul writes. He says, Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge in the image of its creator. And so here as Paul begins talking to the church, I want you to, to notice that before he starts talking about activity, the things we need to do, he talks about identity. He talks about 
who we are. And, and this is why we need to have this exchange of sorts. I mean, here he talks about, look, when you became a Christian, you died to an old way of life. You died to yourself. You died to the things of this world. And now through faith in Christ, you've been united with him and you've been raised to new life. You've become new and the Holy Spirit is at work in you, transforming you from the inside out. And later he talks about the Holy Spirit is conforming you to his image. The Holy Spirit wants to make us live and look more like Jesus Christ. And so he says, look, who you are in Christ is a new creation. Therefore, start acting like it. Start living like it. And then he goes through and he begins listing out the people or the things we need to stop as people who receive new life in Christ. And what I find interesting with the list that he, that he gives us here is that if he were writing to the church today in 2019 in the United States of America, in the state of Georgia, I think he could probably list out these exact same things that, that we, the church, need to take off or we need to leave behind. And Paul is not one to mince words, and he doesn't use a lot of euphemisms here. He says, look, you need to take off sexual immorality. It's a blanket term for sexual activity outside of marriage. He says impurity. Take off lust, evil desires, greed, anger, rage. Rage is like anger when it's put into words or actions. Take off slander, filthy language, and lies. I think we could all agree these are things that we see all around us, things we even see in the church. And what Paul is telling us here is that we need to take off those things, leave them behind, because when we're living in these ways, what we're really doing is we're, we're living and looking just like the rest of the world around us. And when we, followers of Jesus Christ, people who've received new life in him, are living in those ways, what we're subtly communicating to the world around us is that Jesus really makes no difference in our lives because we look and live just like everybody else. Or we communicate Jesus just isn't that powerful because we're living and acting just like we used to before Jesus and the Holy Spirit were in our lives. And so he says, look, Leave these things behind. But our problem is that as a church, I mean, a lot of times we haven't. And so what we've communicated to the world is that Jesus isn't that big of a deal. He's not that powerful. And people start just tuning us out a little bit and start ignoring us in our witness. I don't know if any of you here like to go to, go to Starbucks um, maybe get your holiday drink. This is a, a peppermint mocha this morning. I don't usually get it. More of a sermon illustration. But I do like, I do like Starbucks. Um, I do love Starbucks. And uh, so I go there regularly. And I don't know if you remember, if you're familiar with all this stuff going on. Um, in 2015, when they debuted this, this was the red cup. And as they debuted this cup, each year they have a different, different little cup like this one here. Each year they have a different theme. And when they debuted this one, it was like everything broke loose on the internet. Because there was one guy, a Christian, who made a viral Facebook post and it said this. He said, Starbucks removed Christmas from their cups because they hate Jesus. And he said, 
Starbucks people are not allowed to say Merry Christmas. And if you say Merry Christmas in there, you know, you're going to get in trouble as well. And so he encouraged people to start going to Starbucks and, and start writing Merry Christmas on their cups and, and start celebrating it. And so people started liking the video. People started sharing the video. And then the outrage machine kicked in. And if you haven't realized this, once the outrage machine kicks in and people start getting angry and fired up, it pretty much can't be stopped. And so people were getting angry. They were going to Starbucks. I saw a video when I was looking at it this week of a, a Christian guy just yelling at a barista saying, how dare you do this? You're scum of the earth, all this kind of stuff. People are getting angry and getting fired up. There was just one small problem with all of this. And that is that Starbucks actually never had Merry Christmas on their cups. So they've never actually deleted it from their cups. It was actually a big lie that got people worked up and that got people fired up and that got many Christians angry and acting ugly. And Ed Stetzer in his book, Christians in the Age of Outrage, uh, which I said last week, some of the series is based on, he says, you know, I wonder what the discussion was like in the Starbucks boardroom that week. I wonder if they were like, wow, those Christians, they are so loving. They're so thoughtful. They're so honest and peaceful. Or I wonder if they thought something else. And Ed Stetzer goes on to say something very profound. He says, you know, what's interesting is it's not Starbucks' job to share the good news of Christmas and Jesus Christ. It's our job. It's our calling to share the good news of Jesus and what he has done for us and to live in the newness of life that he offers us. But as a church, we have to confess that a lot of times we haven't done that. And when we look at this list, we have, we've been greedy like the world. We've been angry like the world. We have slandered other people within the church and without the church. We have gossiped. We have engaged in sexual immorality. We have done these things. And here Paul is reminding the church, he's reminding us, look, now that you have died to that old way of life, leave it behind. Take off those things, leave them there, and put on something new. And then as he continues in his letter, he continues with what those new things are. And so he says this in verse 11 as he continues. He says, here, that is in Christ, there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian or Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. So he's saying, look, through Christ, we become united as one. And then he goes on, he says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves. Clothe yourselves with compassion, with kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against anyone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all of these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. So here Paul is telling us about our, our spiritual uniform that we're supposed to put on. And when he's using this language of, of death and life, 
and, and taking off and putting on, and he, he's talking about clothing. I mean, this would have really resonated with the people in the early church because in the early church, well, at times, their baptistries were shaped like coffins. And people would go under the water, dying to an old way of life, and they would be raised to new life. They, they would come out gasping for breath like they had just been born again. And when people were baptized, there was an exchange there. People would take off one set of clothes. Sometimes, now this is some interesting church history, people would be baptized in the nude or in their undergarments. And then when they came up out of the waters, they would have been given a new set of clothes, typically a white robe. And so there was this exchange of clothing going on. And as they put on the white robe, it was a sign and a symbol pointing out to the world that they were now a new creation in Jesus Christ. The old had gone and the new had come. They were living as people who were holy, who were blameless, who were clothed with Christ. And so this metaphor would have really resonated with them. And when we look at, at this list that he says that we're to do, that we're to put on as people who are loved by him, who are deemed holy by him, I mean, this is a, a great list for you to think about and, and think about in your own life. He says, look, compassion, put on compassion. It's a deep sensitivity to the needs of others. Put on kindness, which we talked about last week. Humility. One definition I love is that humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. Gentleness. What if our world had more gentle people? That'd be kind of radical. Gentleness, patience. And then I love what he says. He says, and then love. Love is the thing that binds them all together. It's really, it's like the belt of the uniform. It's the thing that binds them all together. It is the outward facing sign and symbol to the world of who we are in Jesus Christ. And I mean, when you, when you kind of look at the uniform and, and think about these things that we're putting on, I mean, I don't know if you've, you've noticed who this uniform reminds you of. I mean, it should remind you of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus, when he came into our world and he walked in the flesh, he perfectly lived out all of these virtues. I mean, Jesus was humble. He humbled himself by, by coming into this world and serving us. Jesus was kind. He constantly put his love into action. Jesus was gentle. He was patient. He was patient with the disciples. He's patient with you and with me. Jesus is forgiving. He calls us to forgive as we've been forgiven. I mean, that's why he gave his life on the cross so that we could be forgiven. Jesus is compassionate. Scripture says that when he looked at people, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And above all, we know that Jesus Christ is love. He is love incarnate, love in the flesh. That's why he came into our world, because he loved you and because he loved me. And because he wanted us to not walk in these old ways of life, but he wanted to give us new life here and now, and he wanted to give us new life in the future, in God's kingdom. 
And so Paul is saying here, he's saying, look, leave all that behind. Put on Christ. Put on these things. And when you and I begin putting on these things, we begin communicating Christ to the world. We begin pointing other people to him. When they see us in our lives, they begin to see him as well. And this list that Paul gives us here, it reminds me of a story I used to love hearing growing up when I was in church. And it's a story about a man named Dr. Henry Poppin, who was one of the earliest medical missionaries to China from America. Dr. Poppin spent much of his life in China serving other people in many different ways. And one day he went to a remote village um, kind of in the backwoods country. And he had lived in China at this point for 40 years. And he, he assumed nobody else had ever visited the village with the Christian message and the good news of, of Christ before. So he, he trekked to the village and he began doing some medical work there. And he began sharing with them about Jesus. And so he, he began telling them that Jesus was compassionate, that Jesus was kind. Jesus forgave people. And as he was telling them all of this stuff, I mean, they looked, they looked very intent and he, he kept going and he said, look, Jesus Christ is love. And, and Jesus was so selfless that he died for others. He was selfless unto death. And about this point, when, he, when he's giving this message, the people are kind of looking around knowingly at one another. And finally, one of the leaders just kind of spoke up and, said, Dr. Poppin, we know Jesus. He lived here and he died here. And Dr. Poppin was like, okay, you know, they, they, there's some confusion here. And, and so he kind of tried to keep going and he's like, no, Jesus, he actually lived and died 2,000 years ago. And it, it wasn't exactly in this area. And they said, no, no, no. We'll come show you. So they all got up as a group and they started walking down an old dirt path kind of further out of town and they got to a cemetery. And when they got to the cemetery, they pointed out a headstone to Dr. Poppin. And Dr. Poppin saw the headstone of another Christian medical missionary who had come there years before. And then he got it. He realized that this man who served these people lived and looked so much like Jesus Christ that they mistook this man for Jesus. And I don't know if you've ever thought about it in, in your mind, but you and I are missionaries. All of us are missionaries because we've been given a mission by Jesus Christ. And it doesn't mean going to the ends of the earth. It means living and looking and representing Jesus Christ to the people around us right here and right now in our community, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces. We're called to share him with everyone we encounter. And you know, like I do, this isn't an easy thing. And sometimes we think, you know, maybe when we're baptized that it's like a, a one-time exchange and we just took off those clothes and now we got our our new set of clothes, but, but really this is like getting dressed every day. Putting on these things is a daily 
activity, something we have to do again and again. And as he's wrapping up this section, Paul continues, and he kind of gives some things that we can do to not fall back into our old ways, but instead to continually live and look like Christ in our daily lives. And so he says this in verse 15. He says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since as members of one body, you were called to peace and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And in this whole part of the letter, I, I love what Paul does with his language. I mean, if you see verse 17, the word whatever you do here, uh, when Paul is, is using the word you here, typically what he's using, he's using the word y'all. And whatever y'all do, y'all need to do this. He, he's speaking to us as a community as a reminder that, that we can't live like this on our own. That we need the Holy Spirit first and foremost at work in us. But then we also need other people. We need other people encouraging us to be grateful. We need other people helping us have this, this message of Christ rest deeply inside of our hearts. We need other people who, who we sing with, who we worship with. We need other people who challenge us, who teach us. We need other people who encourage us to live and look more and more like Jesus Christ every single day, which is becoming more and more important in our culture. And so as we close this morning, that's what I wanna do. I wanna encourage you to live and look like Jesus. And the way I'm gonna do that is to do something that we used to do in Scouts that I absolutely hated. I'm gonna make you do it. And it's called a uniform inspection. And so what we used to have to do is, you know, stand, stand at attention. I'm not that good at it. And uh, we'd all line up shoulder to shoulder and we'd have the leader, he'd walk down and he'd scan top to bottom. And he'd say, take it off. And we'd have to, you know, take off a ball cap you might be wearing or some sunglasses that you had on. Or if a patch was in the wrong place, he'd say, take it off. But then he'd also say, hey, you need to put it on. People used to always try not to not wear their neckerchiefs or like, you know, not wear the scout socks. He'd say, nope, put it on or you're not going on the trip. So he'd say, take this stuff off, put this stuff on. And this morning, I'm not going to make you line up. I'm not going to call out stuff in your life from the platform. But I want to encourage you to inspect yourself. To have a moment of introspection where you think about those things in your life, those things that you might need to put off from Paul's list and those things that you might need to put on. And so I have the list here of the, the, two, the two different sets, one on the left and one on the right. And the band's gonna come up and play for just a minute. And if you have a bulletin, I, I'd love you to encourage you to write this down or on, on one of the little envelopes or cards uh, in your seat. But what I wanna encourage you to do is to search your heart and write down one thing. Maybe you have a lot of things on this list you need to leave behind, but I want to encourage you to just write down one thing 
from this list on the left that you want to say, God, help me leave this behind today. And then I want, I want you to look at this, this list on the right, this list of attributes of Christ. And think about one that, that, that you really want to grow in today. And ask God to help you and maybe ask somebody in your life, if you're willing to be vulnerable, share with somebody in your life what that thing on each column is for you. And so I'm going to give you just a minute to, to think about that, to pray about that. And maybe you want to come up here to the altar and figuratively leave it here, leave something here. Or ask God's Spirit to fill you with something new. So I invite you to take a few moments and do that now. this morning we bring our whole lives before you and we confess that we haven't lived in your ways and we haven't walked in your ways our hearts our lives our actions have often been far from you so God we ask that you would help us to repent of those things to turn from them leave them behind today you would forgive us, fill us with your forgiveness and give us assurance that you love us. And that's why you ask us to leave these things behind because you know what's best for us. So God, as we leave some things behind here today, we also ask that you would fill us. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Fill us with your love. Fill us with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Forgiveness and God, above all, we ask that you would fill us with holy love. That we might live and look different than those around us so that we might point others.